Welcome to today's message from Transformation Church with Pastor Jim Balzano. All right, turn with me, Jeremiah 29. Jeremiah 29, I've been pondering this scripture all week since Pastor Reed was here um, with us last Sunday. And uh, so I'm going to share a few thoughts with you out of it. Probably let's shout at three or four o'clock. How would that be? Not one person said amen. Six. Miles was saying six. I don't think I could preach that long, Miles. I'll give it a good try. How many think I could preach till six? Oh, now you're like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. You tell you what I did yesterday. Kind of like while you're turning to Jeremiah 29. It has nothing to do with what I'm going to preach. Then again, you never know. I'm usually able to turn anything into an illustration. But I get up early yesterday morning. I said, man, I'm going to get up early because I know my daughter. She's going to text me or come over to the, our side of the house at, at 7 o'clock or 7.30. Let's go yard sale. Okay. All right. So we went to one yard sale yesterday. She spent $23 at that yard sale, and I spent 25 cents. All right. <laughs> but anyhow, so I thought, I'm going to get up because I need to get a run in. I want to run six miles this morning. And so I'll get up, and I'm going to do that. This is going to be awesome. She'll text me where you at, and I'll say, such and such, come pick me up. And so I thought, I know what I'll do. I'll get up, and I'll run from my house, and I'll run down Mill Run, and I'll end up at the clay cup and get something to drink while I'm there, and then she can pick me up. Great. So I get up and I do that and I get to the clay cup and Lindsay was there and somebody else was there and I went to order and I went, there's my money. <sighs> now you see, usually when I run, I'll throw maybe a $10 in my, in my wallet, in my pocket or 20 at the most. Well, I was going yard sale. So I put $106 in my wallet, pocket. I had $106 laying somewhere on the streets of Altoona. So, okay. <laughs> okay. So now I'm like, oh man, I'll see you. I gotta go. So now the six mile run turned into about an eight and a half, nine mile run. Okay. Cause I back, had to start backtracking the run. I'm like, I didn't plan for this this morning. Right. And so then Tony finally calls. I says, she says, where are you at? I said, come pick me up. I'm looking for money. And so we, she picks me up. We go back up, no run. Sure enough, there it was laying in the dirt, $106. <laughs> It's like, I have two prayers when I'm looking for that money. One, Lord, let me find it. But then there's a second prayer. If I don't find it, Lord, let somebody who really needs it find it. Amen? My Lord, at least turn it into a blessing. I hope some single mom or somebody that needs food or somebody needs I hope they find it. Right? Well, anyhow, I found it, so it's all good. <laughs> it's just like, that's my life, you know? Oh, I tell you, it's a crazy. I want to talk to you. Th- 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 this portion of scripture has been resonating with me all week after Pastor Reed came and spoke last week. And I'll set it up a little bit. The book of Jeremiah chapter 29 is a letter that Jeremiah the prophet was writing to a group of exiles living in Babylon. They ended up in Babylon because of the rebellion and the disobedience of God's people. And so there was judgment came into their life and God prophesied that they would be in Babylon for 70 years. There were false prophets that had rose up at that time, and they began to speak to the people saying, oh, in a year or two, this is going to be over, and everything's going to be good. Don't worry. Don't sweat it. It's all going to be good. Jeremiah comes against the false prophets, and he writes this letter to the people that are living in Babylon. All right? And But here's the cool thing about it. Don't you love God when even God is judging and he is disciplining his people that God's discipline always has a season. Aren't you glad it's not perpetual? Aren't you glad it's not endless? 
All right? And, and so his plan for them would not be there forever, but for a season. Now, Babylon was anything but a godly place. It was anything but a righteous place. And what do you do when you are a people of God living in a land that is unrighteous, a Babylonian culture? It's not really what God has intended for your life. What do you do when you live there? And, and so God sends this letter to the people through the prophet Jeremiah. I'm going to pick it up with verse 4. And it says, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all who were carried away captive, whom I caused to be carried away from Jerusalem to Babylon. This is what you're to do. He says, build houses, dwell in them, plant gardens, and eat their fruit. Take wives and have sons and daughters. And take wives for your sons and give your daughters to husbands, so that they may bear sons and daughters. That you will increase there and not be diminished. And seek the peace of the city where I have caused you to be carried away captive. And pray to the Lord for it. For in its peace you will have peace. So God specifically gives directives on how to live in this land that isn't theirs, in this ungodly place. How many of you would agree with me that we live in a Babylonian world system? We live in an ungodly culture, an ungodly system, yet we are a people of God with a citizenship not of this world. This isn't our home. This isn't our citizenship. How many know we are of the kingdom of God, Right? And so God tells them how to live. He specifically gives directives. He says, build houses and live in them. Plant gardens, eat the fruit, be productive. Marry and reproduce. Seek the peace of the city. Pray to the Lord for the peace of the city. Because in its peace, you'll have peace. It's the last two directives I really want to focus on this morning for just a few moments. Jeremiah, the prophet, through him, God says, seek the peace, pray for the peace, live in the peace of the city. Some versions of the Bible use welfare, prosperity, prosperous for that word peace. Let me tell you what the Hebrew word is. The Hebrew word is the word shalom. How many of you have ever heard the word shalom? Okay. How many of you ever heard that shalom means peace? That's true. But I want to tell you something. If that's the only no definition you know of it, it's incomplete. That is an incomplete definition of that word. Okay. Let me just talk about this word for a moment. There isn't one single English word that can totally translate that word correctly. The word shalom means complete. The idea behind the word is completeness, to be complete, to be sound, to be safety and soundness, welfare, health, prosperity, tranquility, contentment. These are all words. Friendship, especially with God in covenantal relationship, of human relationships, peace, peace from war, peace as an adjective. In this passage of Scripture, God tells the people of God living in Babylon to seek the shalom of the city. Now, let me preface this for a moment. You have to understand what Babylon had done to them. Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and destroyed it. Destroyed the city, took people captive, People were killed, people taken captive, and now these people are living in Babylon, and God says to them, oh, by the way, seek the shalom of the city where I'm putting you. How many of you might just have had a discussion with God on that? <laughs> God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray for the city you put me. Wipe it out. Come on. Because our human nature is what? Wait a minute. You destroyed my city. You killed friends of mine. You killed family of mine. You took me captive. And now I'm supposed to pray for the peace of this city? 
Are you crazy? In this passage, he tells them to pray for the shalom of the city. He tells the exiles to live for the shalom of the city. And so this morning, I'm going to speak to you for a few moments on a message just simply entitled, Shalom in the City. Troy asked me a question the other day on the show that we did, Join the City, True Stories, about Transformation Church. And I think it was something like this, that he said, um, what does transformation look like in the city? Was it like that, Troy? Something like that? Just agree, nod your head, all right? And, and I think it was something like that. And I answered it, it was okay. And I thought about it later, I said, man, how would I? Uh, it was okay, but it was incomplete. The, the answer I gave was not as good maybe as I would like to have. What, and what does it look like? And, and, and so I'm thinking about it this weekend, and I'm reading the scripture. And then all of a sudden it hit me. A transformed city reflects the shalom of God. And I'm going to explain that, what that means. It reflects the shalom of God, the completeness of God, the wholeness of God. Okay? Now listen to me for a moment. For those of you who want to check out, when you hear me talking about the shalom of a city or the transformation of a city, okay, it's not, first of all, it's not just about Altoona. How many know it's also about a region? So that includes Tyrone. My wife's from Tyrone. Lord knows Tyrone needs help. Okay, all right. See, that's my Tyrone section over there. Okay, everybody from Tyrone, raise your hand. Hey, look, they're over there. Okay. I mean, look, they're all, they congregate together. We want unity in the church and all the Tyrone people sit together. <laughs> okay, I'm in fun with them this morning. It's about Tyrone, it's about Hollisburg, it's about Duncansville, it's about Roaring Spring. It's about, you name it, okay? It's about a region of seeing the shalom of God. But, but listen to me for a moment. The message about shalom for a city is every bit as applicable to your individual life as it is for a city as a whole. The city is a reflection of individuals. Come on. I mean, do you know what makes up a city? Do you know what gives a city its character, its culture, its belief systems, the individuals within the city? All right? And so when I'm talking about shalom for a city, a city will have the shalom of God when the individuals and the families in the city have the shalom of God. All right? So don't check out on me. Because it's you that are going to seek and pray for the shalom of a city. The city is a reflection of the people who live in it. And so the first thing I want to focus on is this part where God says, pray for the shalom of the city. What does that mean? Some interpret it only as peace. That's incomplete. It's far short of that word, okay? It means complete. There's a rabbi once said this, that shalom means no good thing is withheld. Can you just imagine for a moment with me? What would it be like if there wasn't one good thing of God withheld from our city? Hmm? How cool would that be? If there wasn't one good thing withheld from your life, When you pray for the shalom of the city, you're praying for its peace, yes. You're praying for justice. You're praying for prosperity. You're praying for food. You're praying for the economy. You're praying for divine health of the city. You're praying for safety and soundness of a city. See, when you're praying for the shalom of a city, it's more than just, okay, we, we sing a song today. God bless America. Praise God for the song, okay? 
but, but, but shalom is more than just God blessing it. Understand what I'm saying? It, it, I'll get back to it in a moment. It's far more than that. Because if we're going to sing it, we're going to pray it, how many know we also got to live for it? Now listen to me. When you're praying for the shalom of a city, you're praying for all good things of God to be released to that city. So God is saying, listen to what God is saying. He's saying to a group of God's people living in a Babylonian city that has destroyed Jerusalem, and this is what he's saying. Oh, by the way, while you're there, pray for the shalom of the city. Pray for the completeness of the city. Pray for the blessing of the city. Pray for the prosperity of that city. Pray for the wholeness of that city. Whoa. Do you think if God said that to them, living in this place that destroyed them, how much more applicable do you think it might be true of us today? When you're praying for the shalom of the city, you're praying for his completeness to come upon it. You're praying for his kingdom to come upon a city. You're praying for a culture of heaven to invade the culture of a city, the culture of an earth. When you're praying for the shalom of a city, you're praying for an end to injustice. Remember what Jesus, he says, woe to you Pharisees. He says, you tie them tenth of your mint and your deal and your cumin. Religion. But then he says, but you have neglected the weightier matters of the law. You have neglected justice. God's people should always be about justice. Because God is about justice and God is just. We should always be praying for just because justice is part of the shalom of a city. It, okay, Jesus made two comments in the scripture. He's training up 12 disciples who are going to be his ambassadors to the world. And he says, he told them to beware of two things. He says, you beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. What is the leaven of the Pharisees? It was a religious spirit. A religious spirit destroys the work of God. A religious spirit makes sure it does the tenth of the deal, mint, and cumin. But it doesn't care that people are being faced with injustice. It doesn't care that mercy isn't being given into us. It doesn't matter about the weightier matters of the law as long as I got my religious stuff down. And how many know that destroys a city? He also said to them, oh, by the way, beware of the leaven of Herod. What was Herod? Herod was a political spirit. <laughs> he's telling 12 men that he's given a mandate to, to establish the kingdom, to plant the kingdom, to preach the gospel. Beware of the leaven of religion and beware of the leaven of politics. Whew. It's still a message for the church today. Can I tell you, we still need to beware of a religious spirit and a political spirit. Because I promise you, when politics move into a church, the prophetic moves out. I promise you that the moment that the church aligns itself with a religious party, it loses its witness as being a distinct kingdom of God. But that's another message for another day. The shalom of the city is you pray for an end to injustice. How many know there is injustice in our city? There is injustice in our region. You're praying for an end to suffering. There are people suffering. You're praying for an end to immorality. You pray for an end to corruption. Come on, how many of you think to see corruption go? This side. You guys are okay. It's that Tyrone crew. I don't know. You pray for an end to conflict. You're praying for an end to abuse. You're praying for an end to violence and disorder and chaos. You're praying for an end to hatred. 
You're praying for an end to the isms. You're saying, Father, I'm praying for the shalom of the city, the completeness of the city, and the wholeness of the city. Therefore, I'm praying to end racism and classism and sexism and denominationalism and politics. You're praying for that. He says, you pray for the shalom of the city. But then he says another thing. Right before that, he said, seek the shalom of the city. Hmm. So I'm to pray for it. And then I'm to seek it. How do I seek the shalom of a city? Where do I seek it at? Where am I seeking it from? God said pray for it. He also said seek it. Let me know if you look for something long enough, you'll eventually probably find it. Okay? I knew it. I knew it. I lost $106 yesterday. <laughs> and I turned around and I went seeking it. <laughs> and I found it. I beat somebody to it. I'm thinking to myself all the whole time. I'm backtracking for four, four miles. I'm thinking to myself, okay, Penny don't need to know about this. What happens in running stays in running, all right? So then I found it. I'm like, whew, okay. So I went home and I was standing there a little later. I said, hey, guess what? She said, what? I found $106 today. She said, you did? She said, where at? I told her where at. She said, did you turn it in? Yep, turned it right into my pocket. She was looking at me. I said, what was I? I, said, I, I? I just carried it on for a little bit. And then finally I looked at her and said, it was mine. What? <laughs> she already thinks I'm an idiot. She doesn't need any help. <laughs> but I had to seek it to find it. God says, seek the shalom of the city. How do I do that? Well, let me tell you. I'm going to give you a few things. First of all, the word means to consult, to inquire, or to seek. There's several meanings here. I want you to know, I think we've got to begin with seeking for it within ourselves. You say, what do I mean? Listen to me. Can, when's the last time that you inquired as to what the shalom of the city would look like? Can you even imagine it? Some of you can't imagine peace in your life, let alone in the city. Let's start individually. Can you imagine what his wholeness and his completeness would be like in your life. And can I say, sometimes it's not there, not because it's his fault. Imagine what would be different. Imagine how it would look like. If you're going to seek it for the city, I think you got to first seek it in your own mind, in your own imagination, in your own spirit, and say, God, what would it look like? What would your immeasurably more look like that we talked about last fall? What would the shalom of my, in your, your shalom in my life look like? What would I not be wrestling with anymore? What would end in my life? What would be poured into it? Father, if, if I begin to rethink about the, and imagine the shalom of our city and our region, what would that look like? Come on, can anybody imagine with me? So I think we can begin with just saying, let me just imagine it. Let me massage it. Let me ask God. And then we take us to our next point, which is to seek it from God. Hmm? Do you have the, do, do you have the guts? To say, God, show me what it looks like. Show me what your shalom looks like. Because how many know once he shows you now, you're responsible for part of it? Some things you're just better off not knowing about, right? <laughs> like, if I didn't know, I wouldn't have to do anything about it. Now I know. Kind of like when you got the grandkids. You just kind of pretend you don't know. You're not responsible. <laughs> it's okay. I know it's 7 in the morning. Want that candy? I didn't see nothing. 
how'd they get that kid? I don't know. <laughs> what does it look like? Asking God, seeking from God. Say, God, what does it look like? What is it? Where is it? How is it? Why? Why, God, do you want to do this? And, and really just taking it to me in a matter of prayer. Do you think he'd answer? I think he would. But then this word means, this, this word seek means to practice, to study, to follow, to seek, look at this, to seek with application. Hmm. So I'm seeking it, but it comes with application. I cannot seek and pray for that which I do not apply. Say, so, well, how does that mean? If I'm going to pray and seek for God's shalom for a city, then I must live that out in my life. All right? I cannot pray for injustice to end and not be just in my life. Hmm? I, Father, I'm praying the shalom, your shalom on our city bring to, uh, bring, bring to end injustice. And yet maybe you're in a position of authority where you're not just. How many know if you want to seek shalom in the city, you've got to be having it in your life. Father, I pray for hatred to end in our city. So your shalom is on. And yet, some of you hate somebody. It doesn't work that way. I cannot pray for strife to end in my life or end in the city and live in strife. It's amazing how comfortable some people are in strife. Do you know anybody that's more content in strife than they are in peace? I actually know some. It's terrible. I can't pray for God to bless the city and curse it at the same time. It's amazing to me. God bless our city. Ah, this stupid city. These people, this city, that government, this blah, blah. Stop it. You got good water and bad water coming out at the same time. Hmm? God never told them, by the way, go to Babylon and gripe, moan, and complain the whole time you're there. He never said, go there and you come against everything and everyone. No, he said, go seek it. Pray for it. Seek its prosperity. Seek its shalom. Pray for its shalom. All right? I cannot pray for God to bless it and curse it at the same time. Listen to this one. I seek it. Now, listen to me. Let me go like, let's get ready. Give me that look. I want you to give me that look in a minute. I seek it when I demand it. Jen was better than anybody else. Tim, yours is not bad. Well, that's your natural look. Okay. All right. The word means to ask or require or demand. You see, this is, and I thought about this. I'm not coming, to, okay. First of all, some of you aren't going to like this, but just bear with me for a moment, that I'm going to seek the shalom for the city when I demand it from God. You mean you're demanding something from God? Yes. But not as a petulant little child who wants his own way. I'm only demanding it because he told me to pray for it. God, you said I I'm praying for it. You told me to. 
I'm only coming to you because you told me to pray to you for shalom in this city. And so now I'm demanding your shalom. It's on call because you said pray. I'm not saying to you, go to God and stomp your foot like a little child and ask him for something he didn't tell you to ask for. I'm telling you to go and say, God, I'm here to collect on what you said was ours. Look, look what this, this, let me read the scripture to you again. Remember how he said it? He said, pray to the Lord for it. Okay, I'm here, God. I'm praying. I want the shalom in my city. I'm not taking no for an answer. I'm not settling for no. I'm going to pray for it. I'm going to work for it. When the opposite isn't acceptable any longer. No longer is injustice acceptable. No longer is corruption acceptable. No longer is suffering acceptable. No longer is hatred acceptable. No longer is racism acceptable. I'm praying for it. I'm seeking it. I'm coming to you based upon what you said. When no isn't an option anymore. I require it. But listen to me. But I seek it when I demand it. Not just from God, but from others. How many know, as a parent, there are certain, there's certain things you demand of your children in your house? Like, dude, you ain't talking to me like that in this house. <laughs> right? That there's, there's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Did you just lose your mind? You said what? They can, your, your grandkids can say a horror lot more things than your kids can say. Just teasing. Kind of. I said to Carson, I had her in the office the other day. Carson was at the office with me, and she was helping Karen and Kathy. She's such a big help to them. And so I said, Carson, we got to go. we got to run some errands. Happy, I'm doing something very important. <laughs> what? No, no, baby, we got to run. we got to run some errands. No, Pappy, I'm doing something very, very important. I said, listen here, boss. I'm the boss. She goes, listen here, boss. I'm the boss. I said, I said say what? I said, let me tell you how this works. I carry you. That makes me boss. <laughs> right? You've got to require it of others. And what do I mean by that? How many know that sometimes we need to call each other to account? Sometimes we need somebody in our life to say, you know what? That's a rotten attitude. That's not the shalom of the city. That's not seeking it. That's not praying for it. Stop being so negative, pessimistic, and miserable. <laughs> That's not king. You know, it's amazing to me. I see, stuff, I see stuff sometimes that blows my mind. So we have a political leader who uses bad justice, bad judgment, or whatever you want to call it. He's just not acting like a moron. And then we justify his wrong behavior by somebody else's wrong behavior who used to be a president. Well, let me tell you something. Just because that guy was a moron doesn't justify this guy being a moron. But aside from that, forget about that for a moment. Can we come back to what is godly? How many know God sets the standard of how we should act? Okay. And so listen to me. Sometimes I think we need to say to each other's brothers and sisters in Christ, listen to me, we're praying for the shalom of our city. And that attitude and those words and that, 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 that tone is not it. It's not seeking it. It's not praying for it. It's detrimental to it. It's part of the unrest. It's part of the strife. 
Change the language, change the tone, change the conversation. Join the city, it's going to change the conversation. That's part of the goal of it. I require it of myself. I require it of others. I require it of God. I seek it when I demand it of myself and others. You see, but here's what you got to understand. And I'll be done in a little bit. I mean, a little bit's relative. See, God says, when you're living there, you pray for the shalom of that city. You seek the shalom of that city. But remember what he says. Pray the Lord for it. For in its shalom, you will have shalom. Hello? It's only to our benefit for the city to have the shalom of God. When the city has the shalom of God in it, it's good for me. It's good for you. It's good for kids. It's good for business. It's good for the city. You want shalom in your life? Pray for shalom in the city. You want shalom in your family? Seek it for the city. You want shalom for your city? Seek it in your life. It's a mutually, mutually, yes, mutually is a new word today. Mutually beneficial relationship between you as an individual and the city. Like, man, hello. Anybody, anybody ever read scripture and go, Shalom for the city is shalom for you. It's for your family. We've got to understand the blessing that is found for us as we seek the blessing for the city. Now listen to me. Let me say, well, that just seems selfish. Duh. Why would I not want the shalom of God in my life? Why would I not want the completeness, wholeness of God for my family? You better believe I want it for my family. You better believe I want it for me. You better believe I want it for you. You better believe I want it for this church. And I want it for this city. Because when you find it, the city finds it. When the city finds it, you find it. How many know that is what a transformed city looks like? Come on, Troy. See how quick I am today? You didn't have to say that so surprisingly. He was up here and he went, wow. <laughs> He's like, wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> All right. That was only the second closing. I got two more to go. <laughs> you give me four wows, we're done. Listen to me this morning. It's interesting. I want to give you a homework assignment. The last time I gave you homework it was about you know what. <laughs> Some of you remember. <laughs> Some of you heard like, what was that homework? I ain't going there today. Tim's looking at me like, huh? <laughs> I want you to read a couple of the books of the Bible. I want you to read this book called Daniel. Hmm. You know what Daniel shows me? Shows me a picture of these guys who were part of that letter, these exiles that live in Babylon. 
You remember their names. Some of you remember their names really, really well. Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and the guy named Daniel. They were exiles that this letter was addressed to in Babylon. And I want you to look at how they lived in Babylon. I want you to see how they served in Babylon. I want you to see how they honored God in Babylon. I want you to see how God used them in Babylon to change a culture at times. The Bible says that Daniel was in the royal service of the king until Cyrus. He influenced the culture. An exile living in Babylon, seeking the shalom of the city. He blows me away. He prays to God. They set up a trap. All the guys who are, because how many know there's always warring spirits that war against the shalom of a city? And so they set a trap. They want to get Daniel out of the picture. All right? And, and so they said, you know what? The only way we can convict him is, is, is by using his God against him. Because if we tell, make a law that he can't pray, we know he's not going to obey that law. We know he's going to keep praying, and we can get rid of him. Isn't it amazing what a testimony it is when people have to use your relationship with God against you to convict you? So he does it. They throw him in the lion's den. Throw him in the lion's den. Daniel. Darius didn't really want to, but he was held by the law. You know the story. You learned it as kids. Lion comes and shuts the mouth. Yeah, lion comes and shuts the mouth. Angel comes and shuts the mouth of the lions. He's spared. In the morning, Darius runs to the Lions, lions dead. Hey, Daniel, your God, did he, did he rescue you? And what does this man say? Oh, king, live forever. Not me, baby. Oh, king, get your butt down here. I want to introduce you to some friends. <laughs> Let's see how the angels work for you, buster. But what, what, just look at this guy. He gets it. He gets it. He threw him in the lion's den and he still didn't consider him an enemy. Listen to me. You got to get it this morning. The city is not your enemy. The enemy's your enemy. We need to bless. We need to seek the shalom. We need to pray for the shalom. We need to speak the shalom. We need to live the shalom. We need to work for the shalom. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego became royal advisors. If you go back and you look at another illustration of a man, Joseph, second in charge of Egypt, worked for the benefit of where God put him. And so I got to thinking about this this morning. Man, if somebody said to me now, what would that look like? I got an answer better now. It's the shalom of the city. It looks like the shalom of God. There's peace. There's tranquility. There's prosperity. There's divine health. There's justice. If I had to pray for a city, if I had to put this into operation, I'd say something like this today. Father, we commit to seeking the shalom of a city as a people. We commit to praying for the shalom of a city because your word says to. We commit to living it out in our individual lives so that it's in the city. And then we pray for all good things to be released to the city. Can I get an amen? Come on, can we, can we as a people just pray for all good things of God for this city? 
that we pray for the end of injustice and corruption. And we say, God, bring it down. Not only to bring down the high places, but bring down the high people that need to come down with the high places. Because there is injustice in our city and there is corruption. And that is not Pastor Jim being a naysayer, because I am not a naysayer. But I am saying, I'm praying the shalom of the city, which means corruption got to go. Bring down ungodly leaders and put godly leaders in who've got a backbone to take care of what needs taken care of. And protect them and put a hedge of protection around them. We pray for the end of hatred and division. We pray for the end of suffering. We pray for the end of abuse. Spouse abuse, child abuse. We pray that it ends. We pray for the addiction to bow at your feet. Come on. It's destroying families. It's destroying lives. At some point, you can get numb to it. May our prayer be we never get numb to it. That this house would never get numb. And we would never pick up that cynical nonsense that some people run with. Well, they just made their decision and they should all die. Good Lord, help us. We pray for an end to violence. We pray for abundant peace in our city. We pray for God's abundant provision to be poured out in the city. We pray for divine health for our inhabitants. Come on, how many think God can do that? We pray for safety and soundness for our city. This is all shalom. We pray for righteous leaders. We pray for completeness for the city. We commit ourselves to it. We demand it of ourselves. Come on. We demand it of each other. And we demand it of God only because you told us to pray for it. What does it look like? It looks like God's shalom. That's what it looks like. So we say, oh, Pastor, you're such a pie in the sky guy. Well, I want my cake and eat it too. Why would I not want to live with the hope of his word? Why would I not want to live with the hope of what his word tells me? Because when you read his word, you can't help but dream what God tells you. This house will pray for the shalom of a city. This house will seek the shalom of a city. That's why we do what we do. That's why we are who we are. That's why this morning I challenge you that you, you see the picture. And you better see the big picture. And if I can wrap it up with this, because it is to your benefit, it is for your benefit that the shalom of God comes upon a city. So, Father, this morning, it's your word. We would say we're going to commit ourselves to it. Father, I pray for the shalom, your shalom, to come upon individuals. That even as I pray right now, there were some who had restless nights last night. No, they couldn't sleep. 
anxiety, worry, contention, whatever it might be, cause them a restless night. Father, I pray your shalom upon them. May your shalom come upon their life. May your shalom come along their family. May it come into their home. There are some who are diff- have difficult relationships within their family. It could be a, a child. It could be that wayward child that they need to continue, unconditionally love. It could be marriage relationships. It could be a number of things. Father, I pray for your shalom. Father, I pray this house right here, this house of faith, this covenant community of believers that gathers as Transformation Church, that we can't expect the shalom of God to be in a city if it doesn't exist in this house. And so, Father, we put down division, we put down strife, we put down contention, we put down offense, and we would put down all these things that would come in and try to destroy your shalom in this house. That the shalom of God would flow out of this house into this region. So, Father, today we're just going to say we commit to it. Your word says to do it. We're going to seek it. We're going to pray for it. And we're going to live it. In Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, Stan, let's close with this song. Have a great week. Have a great holiday. Take this word with you. Would you let it resonate? You go read the book of Daniel. See how some of those exiles lived.